This month, we'll be looking at the past, present, and future. Uh, in hindsight, we probably should have warned all the young people, those white books or hymnals, and you have to follow the numbers in each of those lines. I uh, apologize we didn't give you a heads up on that. Um, but, but we're not just going to look at the past, present, and future, as it were, of Huntsville Christian Church. We're going to kind of interweave that as we go. But we're going to look at this in the vein of today, as we look at the past, we're going to look at it in the vein of the, of the first Passover. And then as we look at the uh, present, we're going to look at that through the time in the wilderness. And then as we look at the future, we're going to look at how God delivered his people to the promised land. And we're just going to kind of interweave some of our own histories and our own stories um, within that and uh, to, to encourage where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. Now, as we look at these things, we need to keep some things in mind, uh, especially about the past. God remembers the past, but he refuses to let us stay there. He sustains the faithful throughout the present And he provides for the future according to his will. As we look through scriptures, there are many feasts and festivals that the Israelites participated in. And these feasts and these festivals were ordained by God. He set them in order to remind his people about past events. He didn't want us to forget. He didn't want them to forget some of the major things that happened in their history. Kind of like some of the holidays that we have today. Only his are better. The Israelites celebrated many historical things. Uh, For instance, they celebrated the Feast of Purim, or Esther. Uh, This feast commemorates the deliverance of the Jewish people in the days of Esther. You can read about that in Esther chapter 9. Okay, Um, The Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles, commemorates the 40 years of wilderness wandering. Uh, You can read about that in Leviticus 23, Numbers 29, if you're looking for some good reading. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16 as well. There's also the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. This feast commemorates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. It also includes a day of first fruits for the wheat harvest. These are things of memory, things that God set in store for his people so they wouldn't forget. Also Passover, just to name a few. Now Passover, as you may or may not know, commemorates God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. And as we look at the past today, I want to look at the actual event of Passover. And see how God remembers his people always. He remembers the past, but he refuses to leave us there. Even when we try to return to it, as we'll see as we go through this series, the Israelites did quite often. I started looking into just what is the past. I found some really unique quotes about the past. And so I felt compelled to share a few of them with you. One of my favorites is from Pumbaa, from The Lion King. He tells young Simba... When things are bad, you just have to put your behind in your past. And then Timon straightens him out and he says, no, you've got to put your past behind you. Then there's this quote about the past. It says, losers live in the past. Winners learn from the past. The only real distinction between the past, present, and future is a stubbornly persistent illusion. You know, the reality is, no matter whether your past is good or bad, You just can't live in it. You can remember it, and and you can use it to move forward with focus and even make it worth remembering. That's a good thing. Today, we're going to reflect on some of the history of Huntsville Christian Church, some of our past. And we're going to look at the Passover meal, as I said. It was the first meal the Jews were told to commemorate. And as we look at Exodus, that's where we're going to camp out at for a little while today, the story of the Passover. I want to remind you, just like the Israelites... That a choice to make, and so do you. You can stay in your past, 
or you can remember your past in order to prepare for a better future. Will you pray with me? Father God, today uh, we come to learn. Uh, We come seeking you, seeking your word, uh, not just to see it, but so that we can apply it in our lives, so we can hide it in our hearts, so that we can live it. So I pray that you will uh, bless us with that today. And I pray that what we do here will honor you. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. As you turn there, I want to share something with you. Um, I, I said earlier, God doesn't forget the past. And I know that makes some people nervous uh, when you think about your past. Um, and you think about things like, well, what about forgiving sin? And where the Bible talks about as far as the east is to the west, he forgives. And, and, he, and he, he makes like it never happened. Uh, you're right, but the key there is asking forgiveness. In order to appreciate the first Passover and and the history of God delivering his people, we have to also appreciate that our God is a jealous God. How did the Israelites become slaves to begin with? Well, a long, long, long time ago, the Hebrews went to Egypt because of a famine. Joseph was the ruler over the land under Pharaoh, and the Hebrews, who were mostly uh, Joseph's brothers, if you will, uh, they were given the land of Goshen, which was the best land in Egypt. But after the time of Joseph and who I like to call the good Pharaoh, after they both died, the Hebrew children became very prosperous, very numerous, very large. And the new Pharaoh, I like to call him the evil Pharaoh, he took notice of how big and strong the Hebrew people were in number, and he thought they might take over the land one day, so he made them slaves. Now, they remained slaves for 430 years. In the time of this evil Pharaoh, uh, he even had all the baby boys killed, but you may be aware of this. Baby Moses was put in a basket, and he ends up being raised in the house of the evil Pharaoh as an Egyptian. Uh, I'm glad to know that our history is much better than that here at Huntsville Christian Church. I started doing some investigating. It was approximately 50 years ago, and some people who had never heard of John Lancaster were living in Huntsville, That means something, because they didn't know that 50 years later I would be here. (laughs) See, they may have started a church somewhere else. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, They they were living here in Huntsville. Most of them came here because of their jobs. But while in Huntsville, it was on their hearts to start a Christian church. I've been told there were times of prayer and seeking wisdom from God, as well as looking at locations and, and for a minister and for other Christians looking to make a difference in this city. Now, they say the litmus test for your church, and whether it's successful or not, is to answer this question. What would happen if we closed our doors tomorrow? Just shut down, walked away. Would the community even know? But I want to look at it differently. I want to start back and say, what what would happen if those men and women didn't start Huntsville Christian Church? Now, I can only speak from the last five years, uh, but I've asked a couple of people to come up and share with us a few things. And as they come up this way, I want to kind of get started. I want to start with my most recent memory of of something that I feel is impacting, and that would be Trunk or Treat, October 31st, 2013. Huntsville Christian Church partnered with the Downtown Rescue Mission for the first ever Trunk or Treat with the Mission. It was a partnership that no other church in Huntsville has ever pursued with the Downtown Rescue Mission. It was a great evening. But what makes it a great evening wasn't the amount of people that showed up. It wasn't the people from here that went over. It wasn't that we all got together. What made that a great evening was that 50 years ago, about 12 people, 
12 Christian men and women started a ripple effect in the city of Huntsville that is still making waves today. The success of Trunk or Treat with the mission didn't happen because we went there with games and candy and bounce houses. The success of this event, the seed of our success, was planted 50 years ago by a faithful group of then young Christian men and women who were willing to live out the Great Commission. As I said before, they didn't know John Lancaster. They probably didn't even know the Downtown Rescue Mission. They don't know it, but hundreds of people were shown the love of Christ in one night because of their investment in this community 50 years ago. I thought that was awesome. I've asked these guys to share some other seed planting moments, some other investments from back in that time. I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, what I wanted to share basically is very much an, a reiteration of what Joe already shared. If I'd known he was going to do that, I would have found somebody else to do this. <laughs> um, we moved here 24 and a half years ago, and um, we'd only been married a couple of years, so most of our married life has been here. And during that time, um, well, we moved here from California, and we arrived on a Sunday afternoon decided we'd find a church, opened that thing that has yellow pages in it. You know, it's called a phone book. At the time, we opened that up, and we um, found Huntsville Christian Church and decided to go there on Sunday night because we still had Sunday night services. Remember those? <laughs> and um, we went there, and we were just greeted and treated uh, as if we'd been family for ever. You know, and um, that's been 24 and a half years later. And Huntsville Christian Church has been there through, um, you know, celebrating with us on a lot of different occasions and, and supporting us during some struggles as well. And um, it's just been a blessing to be a part of this. I uh, actually thought this was next week. So, <laughs> so maybe I'll just... Um, my experience um, <clears throat> goes back to when I was in high school uh, with Huntsville Christian Church. My family, we moved from overseas. My dad was in, uh, in the Army. We moved from Guam to here. And um, I think we visited one Sunday Huntsville Christian Church, and the next Sunday we joined. It was just a thing to do um, because it was home already. A as a uh, member of the youth group, we had uh, folks who who made us feel very welcome. I can give you names, but those folks aren't here. But um, the ones who, who were very uh, instrumental in what I learned and, and how I grew were Billy and Beverly Gray, who were some of my first Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders, and, of course, the Wheats, uh, and the others who are here this morning that uh, played a big role in in uh, how my life developed and ended up going to Bible college and uh, working with youth and um, playing some music. All that started back when we first moved here uh, about 1973. And uh, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of gratitude for folks that I mentioned uh, being a big part of my life. And, um, and this church has been a big part of my life, too. We've moved here off and on, went away to college, came back. Uh, Went away, played in a band, got married, came back. <laughs> so, uh, and, and my kids are born here. So, you know, this is home. And uh, 
and I appreciate what this church has, has been and, and will be in the future. I love hearing stories about the past. I love history. I don't remember history very well, but I like learning about it. I always get dates mixed up and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've realized is that the reason people find it hard to be happy in the present is that we see the past better than it was, the present worse than it is, and the future less resolved than it really will be. And that's kind of the way the Israelites were. Uh, while the, the thought that God remembers the past, and with that, uh, we're going to jump straight to the night of the first Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be unblemished, male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on two Put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled all at all. Excuse me. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Now you should eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God remembers the past indeed. He has delivered the plagues already at this point. And they, the plagues themselves were a direct attack not only on the Egyptians but on their gods that they worshipped. And the last thing he did was the death of the firstborn. It's similar to what the evil Pharaoh had done to God's people when he had all the Hebrew baby boys uh, killed. He delivers his people out of bondage, out of the bondage of slavery. But no sooner are they out than they begin to remember the glory days of slavery, if you can imagine. Look this up and read about it this week. Exodus 14. I'm going to give you a quick little synopsis, but you can read over this because it just amazes me how, how they're on the verge of, of freedom and they look back longing for slavery. Listen to this. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. They're at the Red Sea and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? This, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 
I don't know the exact time frame from walking out of Egypt to arriving at the, at the Red Sea. But it couldn't have been that long. And they forgot the power of their God. They forgot the plagues. They forgot the punishments. They forgot the Passover already. And they said it would have been better to remain in the harsh shackles of slavery to the Egyptians than die free men in the Lord in the desert. God remembers our past, no matter how ugly it is. He doesn't want us to stay in it. He doesn't want you to stay in that sin. He doesn't want you to stay in that past that's binding you, that's holding you hostage. He's showing us that through this story. He's showing us through his people Israel, it is not good to live as slaves to sin. The Israelites were in slavery for 430 years. The problem is they weren't just physical slaves. Over that 430 years, they slowly became spiritual slaves as well. Allowing the cultures and the beliefs of the Egyptians and the gods of the Egyptians to seep into their lives. And they forgot who their God is. And the deliverance of his people. You know, the the way that God orchestrated that, it, it shows us that he doesn't want us to stay where we are. The problem with Christians is we don't like to change. We, we like all of our past, the good and the bad. There's comfort in it. It's comfortable. The victories, we remember them far greater than they really are. And the pains, we remember, are less painful than they really are. I know I'm right about this because I'm the kid that rode my tricycle off the porch twice and got stitches in the exact same spot in the middle of my forehead twice because we forget about the pain. It doesn't take long. I think it was the same year. The pain is less painful. Even after I fell off the roof of an old cabin, I was back on it a few weeks later because we revel in the past. No matter what it is for you, you know I'm right because you do it too. And just like the Israelites, we remember our past sins of selfishness and, and idolatry and seeking comfort in places that we don't belong. Yeah, we remember them as well, not really that bad. It is funny how we will eat the fruits of this world, and even when it spoils, we will continue to eat it. But if we have one bad day at church, we're ready to throw out the whole thing and never look back. We will risk, as Christians, we will risk an eternity of pain over something as non-essential as hurt feelings and pride. Just like the Israelites, we forget They were more willing to go back and be slaves to a brutal master in a pain that they knew than follow a loving God into the unknown. And yet God still chose to deliver them. You know why they went the route of going to the Red Sea instead of going a direct course into Canaan to the promised land? One reason is the Bible says that that if they would have gone that direct route, they would have had to gone through the land of the Philistines, you know, the giant people. And the Bible says that God, it says in Exodus, God didn't want them to become discouraged. So he deliberately didn't take them through the land of the Philistines. He took them by way of the Red Sea. He brought them to the Red Sea knowing that Pharaoh would follow. He brought them to the Red Sea knowing that they would doubt him. He brought them to the Red Sea knowing that they would complain to Moses that they were better off as slaves. And he brought them there knowing that he would deliver them through the Red Sea on dry ground. And not only that, he brought them there knowing that God Almighty would destroy their enemy captors in the process. Even though they wanted to look back, God knew where he was taking them. As we look 
to that time that the Israelites spent in the wilderness, we're going to see how God sustains the faithful in the present. That's something, a little spoiler alert for next week. But what about you? Would you, would you rather remember your past sins and mistakes as less painful than they really are? Or are you ready to be delivered from them? God wants us to remember the past. There are great stories about this church and, and these people of the past. But there are far greater untold stories of our future that we don't even know how it's going to end. Because hopefully we won't be here then. And it'll be these guys in the front row that are saying, I remember, just like we did today, the ripple effect can go on and can impact God's kingdom in ways we don't even know. But we have to be willing to move away from the past into the future by way of the present. Don't remember your past sins and mistakes as less painful. Remember them for what they are, ugly and binding, avenues of slavery. Are you ready to be delivered from them? God wants us to remember the past, but he refuses to leave us there. It's not healthy. God wanted the Israelites to remember their slavery and the exodus. That's why he initiated the Passover meal. But he doesn't want them to stay in that bondage. He doesn't want them to stay comfortable in that memory. To stay in bondage when you're offered freedom is just ridiculous. But we choose to do it every day. The Passover feast started with the death of the firstborn of all Egypt. From Pharaoh to prisoner, the Bible says, to peasant, even to livestock, Death of the firstborn of the animals. And you know, it came full circle when Christ sat at the Passover table, a meal for remembrance, and he sat there with his disciples. And then he washed their feet, leaving them one final example of service. And he said to them, go and do likewise. I think, what if? What if all the disciples remembered of that Passover meal was Judas's betrayal? What if that's all they remembered? What if all they remembered was Peter's denial? Like they couldn't remember the meal because all they could remember was that the rooster crowed and, and Peter denied Christ three times. What if that's all they could remember? Or, or what if they get to that point where they're all in the room and Thomas is there and Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe it until I see him. And then Jesus shows up and he says, touch my hands. What if all they could remember is Thomas doubting that Christ did what he said he was going to do? What if that's all they could remember? Where would the church be today? Losers live in the past. Winners learn from the past and enjoy working in the present toward the future. You know, Joshua sent 12 men to explore the promised land. Two of them came back and said, hey, this is good. Ten others said, oh, wait a minute. This is scary. Giants and all that. They were scared. Even though some of the Israelites were resistant to what it would take to get into the promised land. Joshua led them into victory with marches and trumpets and power of our God. A God who remembers and delivers on his promises. People will resist change, but God will lead you through it. I don't know the change you need to make in your life. I don't know what it is. You can continue resisting him or, or you can respond to him by starting fresh. Leaving your slavery of sin behind and be free in him. I don't know how you need to respond to his word today. If, it, if it's with baptism, 
respond. The baptistry is ready, but don't continue living life as a slave. Maybe your response is one of repentance, one of rededication, one where you just need to meet with an elder. You need to get some things out of your heart and out of your mind, and you need to put it out there and say, hey, just pray with me. Help me work through this. We've got a place. They'll go and pray with you in private. They'll meet with you now. If your response is that you want to add to the ripple effect that started 50 years ago, come and partner with us today. Come alongside Huntsville Christian Church as we continue to reach into our community with the love of Christ and the transforming power of the gospel. Will you stand and sing with us today and respond to God's word accordingly?